chapter 1, that's where we're going. Uh, last week was National Back to Church Sunday, um, and we talked about Jesus establishing the church, and we talked about Jesus established the church based on the phrase that he is the hope of the world. And here at Central, we really, 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 really do believe that, that Jesus Christ is the hope of the world. That's why we get together and we celebrate every week, because he is the hope of the world. He's the one to help take away the problems when we hand things off, and, and if we would just do that and... and um, if we would just allow him to, to run our lives, things would be so much better. I'm not easier, right? Because we understand that life is hard. And, and so not easier, but better. Everything really is better with Jesus at the center. And, and, and based on the fact that, that he is the hope of the world, we, we should be able to understand that there's hope in our lives, no matter what we're going through. Um, today, we're starting a brand new series called Recalculating. Um, kind of the tagline to that is, what do we do? When plans change, and, and kind of the, the inspiration behind that is, is the fact that I like to tell you all the time that God loves you, is always with you, and he has greater plans for you. And that sounds awesome, and it sounds pastoral, and maybe a little bit cheesy, but that's hard to embrace, isn't it? I, I mean, it's good to know that God loves me, is always with me, and has greater plans for me, but it's hard to embrace when his plans don't line up with my plans, right? It, it's hard to, to, to understand that when, when, some, when a curveball comes just out of nowhere, and you're just like, ah, oh, like, God, that's not what I had planned. And so we're going to spend a few weeks looking at that and really begin to talk about how do we stay focused on Jesus? How do we keep Jesus at the center? How do we understand that, that, that God is in control when things aren't going the way that we want them to go? Um, and so, so let, me, let me kind of start today's message off like this and kind of have a little bit of confession time. Um, I don't know about you, but I have trust issues. A anybody in the room got trust issues? Anybody want to be honest? Okay, a few people. Um, the, the rest of you, um, you're really the ones with trust issues because you're like, I'm raising my hand right now. He's going to put that on camera or something. I don't trust him, right? Um, I would argue that all of us in some way, shape, form, or fashion, we all have trust issues because all of us at one time or another, we've, we've been burned, right? Or, or, or we've seen something and, and it's caused us to be like, ooh, yeah, I don't, I don't know if I can get on board with that. For example, I have trust issues with fast food restaurants because I used to work in one. And I know what bored teenagers do when they work at fast food establishment. I'm not going to go into any details because I don't want you to not go eat lunch today or anything like that. But to this day, um, especially when I go to Wendy's, um, I check all of my food before taking a bite. Anybody else do that? Anybody just, just check your food before taking it? Except for the fries. I just dig in and grab fries and just eat them before I'm even out of the drive-thru. Anybody else there? Like, like seriously, like I have trust issues. I have trust issues with mechanics. Now, if you're a mechanic... Straight up, no disrespect. Um, but I've been burned a couple times by mechanics, right? You take your car in, and they're like, oh, well, see, sir, the flux capacitor, it's not doing the right thing. And you got to get this thing up to 1.21 gigahertz and 88 miles per hour. And I'm like, what? what? Just fix it, man. Like, can you just fix it? Yeah, we can fix it. How much is it going to be? $87,000. Oh, well, let me just finance that at 33% interest at your shop for the rest of my life, right? And, and so I've got trust issues with mechanics. Um, I've got trust issues with some people who call themselves Christians, don't you? Seriously, because, because I've been burnt, and so have you. I, I have trust issues with different things. And I imagine if, if we sat up here and compiled a list, and my list and your list, we could get a great big issue of things that we just don't trust. But you know what? 
Sometimes I have trust issues with God. I, I do. Sometimes I have trust issues with God. Now, I know we're not supposed to say that, and I'm the pastor, and so I'm for sure not supposed to say that. You're not supposed to talk like that, pastor. But listen, I've had things happen over the course of my life that have caused me to question God's plans. Honestly. Like, if I could lay all of my cards on the table with you this morning, I'll tell you I have things that have happened that have caused me to just like, seriously? Like, are, are you for real right now? Have you got there? Have you been there? And, and when I've questioned them, they've caused me to question my trust. And, and at times, they've caused me to doubt. And in those times, like, like I've talked to people about it, you, you know, like, like I'm struggling and, and, and I've like confessed some things to some people. And, and this is the stuff that I've heard back. Well, if you just had more faith, you wouldn't doubt. You ever heard that? Anybody ever told you that? If you just read your Bible more, you wouldn't have any doubt. If you just prayed more, Ryan, you wouldn't doubt. You know, Ryan, you just need more Jesus. If you had more Jesus in your life, you wouldn't doubt. You wouldn't have trust issues. You wouldn't be freaking out. You'd be fine. If you just, if you just had more Jesus. And so in church culture, there are people in churches all over America, some not even in churches, but there are people in churches all over the place. And In fact, there are people in this room today, guarantee it, you got trust issues with God. And the reason you have trust issues is because something happened. Something bad happened in your life. Or maybe right now, maybe right now something bad is happening in your life. And you can't explain it and it won't go away. And you feel like you can't talk about it. Because if you talk about it, if you admit, hey, I've got trust issues, then the church will turn its back on you. And the reason you feel like that is because you've seen it. You've seen it in the church world. If you express doubt, they kick you out, right? If you, if you come in and you admit a problem, hey, I'm not exactly like you. Hey, I'm struggling with some things. Hey, there's some stuff going on in my life that I don't understand. There's some things that are happening that are causing me to question God. Hey, man, you can't be here with us. We got it all together in this place. So why don't you just come back, right? Like if you doubt, you get told things like, well, just read your Bible more. Just pray more, brother. Have a little bit more faith. You've probably been told, like, oh, you just need to listen to some more worship music. You probably watched too many R-rated movies. You probably have done some bad stuff, right? Like, that, that's the big one. Oh, you know, the reason that's going on, those things are going on in your life, is because you've got some bad sin in your life. Maybe you've got some secret sin. Maybe you're doing this. And, and, and you know, God's just not pleased with that. And so that's why you're being punished. And, and listen to me. Listen. That junk's not true. It's just not because every single person in here, every single one of us is going to wake up one day or, or we're going to get a phone call one day or there's going to be a knock on the door in the middle of the night and all hell is going to break loose and you're not going to know what to do. Like your plans for you can change just like that in an instant. And when that happens, you're going to be flooded with questions. The problem is when you go to church, churches tell you, well, don't question God. It's just all God's plan. You know what I've discovered? First of all, questions don't bother him. Like, I understand the sovereignty of God. Like, I'm the first one that's going to tell you God's in control. God has a plan. God's plans are greater than our plans. But we can question those. Questions don't bother him. He's not like, oh, gee, I, man, I, I don't know. 
Like, nobody in the history of the world has ever asked me that question. Your question, right? Like, whoo my mind is blown right now. I have no idea. Great question. God's not like that. One of the things that, that I have discovered about God, and I see this the more and more I walk with him, and the more and more I study the Bible, um, and this is, I got one point to make throughout this entire message today, and it's this. Um, authenticity is greater than artificiality. I don't know if artificiality um, is a real word or not, but uh, that's what I wrote down in the outline, so that's what you got. Like, like seriously, that God would rather us be real with him. If, if you've got a problem, if there's something going on in your life, if there are things you don't understand, you know what? Tell him. He can handle it. Let him know. L- listen, God's not like us. Like, if somebody doesn't like his picture on Facebook, he's not, like, going to go crawl into the closet and cry. He's going to be like, whatever, man. I'll create another sunset. I'll get your attention. Right? Seriously. Like, God's not bothered by our questions. In fact, if you've got a question, you've got a concern of something going on in your life, then you need to ask God why. Just ask him. God, why? Why is this happening? God, why is this going on? God, why am I struggling with this? God, why am I in the middle of this? I'm not saying that he's going to answer. All right? I'm I'm not telling you that. He's going to answer. But I'm saying it's okay to tell God that you're not okay. Let me show you this. In the Bible, Luke tells this story of a guy named Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth. And for whatever reason, we don't know why, um, but for whatever reason, they can't have kids. Look at this. Luke chapter 1, we're going to start in verse 5. In the time of King Herod of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. Um, can that be written of anybody in this room? Don't, don't, don't say yes, uh, Jesus. Um, it, not me. Like, if this is being written about me, it's not that, man. It, it's just, it's not. I want to. I try. Every day I wake up. Hey, Lord, I'm going to follow you closer than I did yesterday and, 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 and somewhere along the line, right? Everybody knows what I'm talking about. But they were childless. Because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. Both very old. Some translations add um, beyond childbearing years. Now, I don't know how old that was back then. All I know is Luke says they're not expecting a baby. People their age didn't become parents. They became grandparents or great-grandparents, all right? So the Bible tells us that these guys can't have a kid. And they also lets us know that Zechariah is a priest. And one of his jobs is they would get together, like all the priests would get together, and they would cast lots, all right? That's like kind of rolling dice or whatever. And whosoever lot it fell on, whoever won or whoever lost or whatever the number, however, however it worked out, um, they would go into the Holy of Holies and kind of burn some incense and, and say some prayers and stuff like that. So it just so happened on this particular day that Zechariah was the guy who was chosen, like the lot fell on him. And so he had to go into the Holy of Holies and do some prayers and burn the incense and all that. This is where the story gets real interesting. Look at this, verse 11. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him. Listen, if you're having prayer time and an angel shows up, that's flipping awesome, okay? I've had people tell me, I've seen an angel, pastor. No, you haven't. You haven't. Because if you saw an angel, it would scare you to death. I'll, I'll prove it to you. Watch this. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and gripped. Look, what's that say? Gripped with fear. 
Every time, every, everybody say every time. Every time an angel appears to somebody in the Bible, they're always freaking out because they're powerful creatures. They're powerful beings. They're not cute, chubby kids with wings. That would probably freak me out too anyway, though. Wouldn't it freak you out? Like a <laughs> little fat kid come running up to you with a diaper on. Wing, uh, anyway, watch this. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Like, what? Like, what prayer? Right? Wouldn't you want to know? Like, me, like what, what are you talking about? Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. <laughs> now let's stop. Let's talk about this. Let me ask you this question. If you're grandparents' age, right, like if you're just old, past childbearing age, are, are you still praying for a kid? Uh-uh. Are, are they praying for kids? Probably not. Like seriously, they probably prayed that prayer like 5, 10, maybe 15, 20 years ago. But plans have changed, right? L- let me pause and say this. I just want to encourage somebody. Maybe you prayed a prayer 5, 10, 15, 20 years ago. And just because you, just because you've forgotten that prayer, just because you have given up on that prayer, doesn't mean that God has given up on that prayer. Here we see God answering prayer that probably happened 5, 10, 20, maybe even 30 years ago. Let's keep going. Oh, well, first let me say this. Um, I love how God just kind of steps in and settles the name argument. You're going to call him John. Right? I, I, I could just kind of see Zechariah and the angel kind of going back and forth. Like, like you know, uh, I don't know, man. You know, we're going to name him after my grandpa, and, and maybe we're going to just go online. And, no, 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 no. You're going to call him John. Right? They don't have Google to search cool baby names back then, and so they just call him John. Then look at this, verse 14. He will be a joy and a delight to you. How many of you would have loved for an angel to show up and tell you that about your newborn? He's going to be a great joy. He's going to be awesome. <laughs> Some of you are like, that angel didn't show up. The demon showed up. Told me to take him home, right? Anyway, and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to drink wine or other fermented drink, which is why he's called John the Baptist. Some of you get that later. It'll be funny later, I promise. And he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born, which is awesome. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents of their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. This is one of the coolest things ever. Uh, I, I was thinking about this the other day. How many of you have ever been to a gender reveal party? You know, where they're going to like reveal the gender of the baby? How, how many of you have ever been to one? It's okay, you can raise your hand. Nobody ever been to one? Nobody. And this, this, okay, cool. If you watch it online, just type in, I have been there, because somebody's been there, right? Back when I was born, um, they didn't, didn't have those parties, right? You didn't know until the baby was born what you were going to have. Oh, it's a boy or it's a girl. Now they got like 4D images where you can see the face and whatever. It's unbelievable. It's freaky, but it's cool, right? It's really cool. Gender reveal parties are cool. A few years ago, um, somebody had one here at the church, and they took a box full of Tannerite, and they put it back out there, and they shot it, and it blew up, and there was this huge cloud of blue smoke, and they're like, ah, we're having a boy. It was awesome. Like, like I, I, those, are, those are cool to me. I love watching um, <laughs> the gender reveal fail videos. You, you ever seen those things where they've got, like, the balloons, and, like, people try to pop them, and they can't pop, it doesn't pop, and it just, like, go 
goes out in the air, and then they don't know what they're going to have. And, like, they're trying to bust the pinata, and they can't do it. It's just pretty funny. Anyway, all kinds of gender reveals. This right here, though, this is epic. An angel shows up and tells Zechariah, hey, you're going to have a son. You're going to have a boy. Blue cloud, whatever. And he's like, and he, he's going to be awesome. In fact, he's going to have a ministry that's going to be absolutely unbelievable. He's going to have rock star status when it comes to ministry. He is going to be absolutely incredible. You're going to have a son, and he is going to be awesome. And Zechariah leaves, and he tells Elizabeth, they go home, and they do what they need to do. Because like I've told you a thousand times, when you get told your next step, you have to participate in the process. And so they go home and they participate. And if you don't know what that means, go ask your teenager, and he'll tell you. <laughs> so they go and they participate, and nine months later, a baby is born. John the Baptist is born. Now, I like to, to think about it like this. I like to think that growing up, that Zechariah probably told John, hey, son, man, God, God loves you. God is always with you, and God has great plans for you. How do you know, Dad? Well, an angel showed up, and he told me, son. He told me all about you. He told me what you were going to do. And, and I would imagine that maybe a few times a year, John would, would come up to Zechariah, and he'd be like, hey, Daddy, Daddy, tell me again. Daddy, just, just tell me one more time the story about the angel. What, what am I going to do? What's life going to be like for me? Like, like what did he say was going to happen? And so, so, John, so John knew. John knew he was set up. Don't, don't miss this. John knew he was set up for spiritual success, but he had no idea how successful he was going to be. So the Bible goes on to tell us, he goes out, he starts this ministry, he's, he's preaching, people are coming from everywhere, I mean thousands of people are crowding around John listening to his message, he's got all of this success, things are happening, it's awesome. And then this next part, this next part to me, this is like the pinnacle of spiritual success. Look, look at this. Um, flip over to Matthew chapter 3, verse 13. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. That's awesome. Like when, when you get to baptize Jesus, that's just huge. Like I, I've accomplished some cool things in my life. I, I've, I've seen some cool things. I've done some cool things. I, I won a talent show on a cruise ship twice like true story two times man and and that was awesome I, i've seen some things i've experienced some things and i've had some like what i would call some spiritually awesome moments or some spiritually awesome seasons everybody in this room has probably maybe had a time where you felt just like you're just super close to god right you, you've had a time where you've just you've just felt that that mountaintop experience where it's just like you and god and you're just like Oh, like, like maybe, maybe you've prayed for something, and even before you said, like, amen, that prayer was just answered. Like, you've had some awesome moments with God. But I'm going to go out on a limb, and I'm going to say, um, baptizing Jesus? <laughs> Ain't none of us done that. And, and, and this, this, is, this is what's happening. This is why this is so cool. John is out. He's baptizing people, and, and Jesus comes down, and, and, and he walks into the water to get baptized by John. And John's like, ah, oh, man, we shouldn't do this. Like, Jesus, I, I need to be baptized by you. And Jesus says, no, you need to do it. And so John baptizes him, and, and he pulls him up, and then he sees this dove descend down onto Jesus, which is symbolic of the Holy Spirit. And then the heavens open up, and he hears a voice saying, this is my son whom I love and whom I am well pleased. And, and it's just this absolutely incredible moment. So with all that happening, let me ask you a very simple question. At that moment, 
dove coming down, heavens open up, boy saying, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Did John have a problem knowing in, believing in, or trusting in Jesus, yes or no? No. You don't doubt Jesus when you're baptizing him and the dove comes down and the heavens open up and you hear God from heaven. That's right here is what I would call a sign. But look at this. As John continues his ministry, Jesus is walking by one day. And the Bible says this. Back to John, um, John 1, uh, verse 29. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him. And he said, look, this is huge. We're going to come back to this in, in a few minutes. Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. In, in other words, right here, he correctly identifies Jesus. He's like, hey, everybody, look. That's the Messiah. The Messiah is walking by right now. That's who he's the Savior of the world. He's the one we've been waiting for. Look at him. Here he comes. Because everybody, the reason he said that is because everybody thought that Jesus was just a good teacher. People were saying that he's just a prophet. People were saying he's just a good person. And John says, no, he's more than that. He's the Messiah. He's the hope of the world. Like, he's our Savior. He is the promised one. He is the one we're waiting for. He is the one who's going to save us all. John was so close to Jesus. John had baptized Jesus. John didn't have a problem with Jesus. John didn't doubt Jesus at all. John didn't have trust issues with Jesus. Until, well, let me set it up like this. You ever hit a wall spiritually? You ever been there? You ever, you ever just like think everything is just trucking along and everything is just great and everything is awesome and then just bam, it's out of nowhere. You're just like, what? You ever hit that? You ever hit that spiritual wall? I think all of us probably have. John did. See, his ministry is going really great. But then Luke tells us in chapter 3, verse 19, but when John rebuked Herod the Tetrarch because of his marriage to Herodias, his brother's wife, and all the other evil things he had done, Herod added this to them all, and he locked John up in prison. What? Like, how does that happen? How do you even get there? I mean, John did everything right. I mean, John, think about this. His, his birth was announced by the angel. It was told he was going to have this incredible ministry and all these great things are going to happen. And then he baptized Jesus and then he identifies Jesus. Like, like John got an A plus in theology class. I mean, John had it going on. And so how does John, how does John the Baptist, the dude who's rolling, who's got this rock star status, who's doing everything right, how does he get locked up in prison? Well, in today's society, we might say, well, well John, just, John just didn't have enough faith. See, John just, John just didn't follow Jesus closely. Like, John, he, he just needed more Jesus. Wait, 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 wait. He baptized Jesus. How do you get more Jesus than baptizing Jesus? Well, John just needed to read his Bible more. John just needed to pray more. The reason he's in prison, because he just wasn't praying enough. He, listened to, he needed to listen to some more worship music. He just wasn't doing that. Because see, Ryan, bad things don't happen to good people. And if he was a good person, if he was really doing good things, then he wouldn't have wound up in prison. Because bad things do not happen to good people. In fact, you know what? That's the reason that many people, maybe in this room right now, that's why a lot of people have a hard time with Christianity. Because of that question. If God is so good, why do bad things happen? Right? If God is so good, then why do bad things happen to good people? Hopefully over the course of the next several weeks, we're going to dig deeper into that question and we'll, we'll come up and we'll better explain it. But you know what? For today, let me just say this. 
I've met some really good people in my life. Good people. Good, good, good people. Good people who have experienced some really, really, really bad things. Everybody in this room knows what it's like to experience something bad. Every single one of us. It's either happened to you or it's happened to somebody you love very much. And then when that happens, come on now, when that happens, it causes us to question our faith. And then we start asking the hard questions. And maybe you've been told, maybe you've been told by a church, maybe you've been told by a religious leader, maybe you've been told by, by a super Christian, you don't question God. Can't even believe you're asking this. You don't ask God questions. You don't say stuff like that. You just need to shut your mouth. You need to sit there, shut your mouth, and you just need to shut up and believe and have more faith. And, and that's not the position that we're supposed to take, church. It's just not. I'll prove it to you. Look at this. John gets put in prison. He stays there for a little while. And look what happens to this. In Luke chapter 7, verse 18, John's disciples told him about all these things. Now, all these things were the miracles that Jesus was doing. Like he's doing some incredible teaching. He's doing these miracles. And so they go back and they tell John. They're like, hey, John, you won't believe it. Like John's in prison. And they're like, you won't believe it, man. He's doing some incredible stuff, man. He is doing some mind-blowing stuff. He is dropping some mad teaching. The miracles are just like, whoo. And then look at this. John's disciples told him all these things. Calling two of them, he sent them to the Lord to ask, are you the one who is to come? Or should we expect someone else? Now, to me, that's intense. This is, this is John. This is John, dude who had the angelic birth announcement. This is John who baptized Jesus, saw the Holy Spirit, heard the voice of God. This is John who said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. A quick question. How do you go from look, look, everybody look. It's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Everybody check him out. He's awesome. Look, 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 look. How do you go from that to, is it you? Are you the one? Is it really you? Or are we supposed to expect somebody else? How do you get there? What happened? What happened to John? Prison. Prison. Oftentimes bad things cause us to wrestle with our faith. Because sometimes bad things happen to good people. And it's a change of our plans. It's not necessarily a change of God's plans. It's not a change of God's plans at all. It's a change of our plans. John, John the Baptist was close to Jesus, yes or no? Yes, we just established that. You don't get any closer to Jesus than baptizing him. And so listen, listen, don't miss this. If those closest to Jesus had tough questions, then all of us can have questions. And it's okay. It, seriously, it's okay. John is like, go ask Jesus. Just go ask him, did I, did I waste my time? <laughs> have, I, have I wasted my effort in believing in him? And then look what happens, verse 21. At that very time, Jesus cured many who had diseases, sicknesses, and evil spirits, and gave sight to many who were blind. So he replied to the messengers, go back and report to John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. This is fascinating, all of this. Like, like, first of all, Jesus didn't answer their question. Like, Jesus hardly ever answered a question, like, in the scriptures at all. These guys were like, hey, Jesus, like, John wants to know. Like, he's in prison, your boy, John. 
is in prison. The one who baptized you, you know, the one that got all this, this special stuff from heaven, all, all of that stuff, like he's in prison. And he wants to know, are you the one? Are, are you the one who is to come? Or, or does he need to expect someone else? And then Jesus kind of just tells them, hey, guys, just stand off to the side. And he starts doing miracles, like, like, like literally. Blind people receive their sight. Dead people are raised. And, and then Jesus says to them, he says, hey, go tell John, the blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Like, they, they understood that. They probably, this is an Old Testament prophecy about the Messiah that Jesus is, is saying right here. He's, he's quoting this Old Testament prophecy back to John. John would have known this. John would have, would have preached this stuff. But there's a section of this Old Testament prophecy that Jesus leaves out. There's a section in there that says the prisoners will be set free. In other words, Jesus said, hey, go tell him, John, yes, I am the one. I am the Messiah. But listen, bro, you ain't getting out of prison. That's tough. That's tough. When, when your plans are different than God's plans, when God's plans don't line up with your plans, when you want something out of life and God says, no, I'm going to take you in a different direction. I need to use you in a different way. That's hard. I've had to learn the hard way when things don't go my way. That God is still God and God is still good. So many times in my life I've had to ask, why? Why did this happen? Like, really, God? Like, this is really what's going, like, this isn't what I had planned. This is what I had planned for him. This is what I had planned for her. This is what I had planned for me. And I know there are a lot of people here that really do have those same questions. And I want to show you, again, why God is not bothered by your question. The Bible says this in verse 24. After John's messengers left, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. And this is where, I, honestly, if you're on the outside looking in, you're like, Oh my gosh, man, he's about to go off on John. He's about to, like, John's boys are gone. And so he's just going to be like, I just can't even believe John. Can't even believe it. Can you believe? I'll let that dude baptize me. I'll let that guy see the Holy Spirit. I'll let him hear the voice of my Father in heaven. i let him do all of this stuff. i let him have all of the success. And now he's going to spend a little bit of time in prison, and all he can do is cry to me about his problems. He can't even, like, send me a letter, a text, an email, anything. He's got to send his boys to ask me, what's the problem, John? What's the problem? Has, has John forgotten all the great things that I've done for him? Don't we get like that, though, sometimes? Absolutely. Like, he's done some great stuff for us. And, and I'm not dismissing all the great stuff for us. I'm just saying when we're in a moment of uncertainty or fear or doubt or mistrust, how does God feel about that? How does Jesus feel about that? Well, Jesus is going to tell us what he thinks about John. Don't, don't miss this. <laughs> what did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed swayed by the wind? If not, what did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? No. Those who wear expensive clothes and indulge in the luxury are in palaces. But what did you go out to see? A prophet. Jesus calls him a prophet. In other words, Jesus is saying, hey, everything he's done, his ministry is legit. Even through this whole doubt thing, like he's a prophet. Yes, I tell you, and even more than a prophet, this is the one about whom it is written, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way before you. And then look at this, verse 28, don't miss this. I tell you, among those born of women, there is no one greater than John. I tell you, there is no one among, born among women, which is pretty much all of us, right? We're all born from, from a woman, right? You're, you're born of a woman, every one of us. Jesus said, above, above, beyond all that, 
There's no one greater. Now, there are all kinds of arguments in sports about who's the GOAT, right? Every sport, who's the greatest of all time? Like in basketball, it's Jordan or LeBron, right? And everybody that loves Jesus knows that it's Jordan, amen? In golf, there's an argument. Is it, is it Tiger or is it, or is it Jack Nicholas, right? In boxing, is it, is it Ali or Tyson, right? There, there's, there's all kinds of arguments out there. There's all kinds of arguments. Who's the greatest player? Who are the greatest teams of all time? Like, who's the greatest? So we can sit up here, we can make all kinds of lists. But every once in a while, you'll talk about, you'll hear people talk about, like, in the Bible. Like, who's the greatest in the Bible other than Jesus? Who's the greatest person in the Bible, pastor? Is it the Apostle Paul? Because, I mean, Paul was, was like anti-Christian, man. He was, he was like out killing Christians and destroying the movement. And he meets Jesus one day, and Jesus just like rocks his world. And he goes from church destroyer to church planters. And he's traveling all over the place. He's doing all these great things. And he wrote a big part of the New Testament. Is, is it the apostle Paul? Paul's got to be the greatest. Or, or is it Peter? Because Peter, like, God, man, we talked last week about Peter, and, 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 and Peter's the one who Jesus looked at and said, hey, based on the fact that you just said that I am the hope of the world, I am going to build my church. Peter, you are awesome. You are great, and we're going to build this thing. Or, 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 is it, or is it somebody in the Old Testament? Is it somebody like David? You know, because David built like this, this great, incredible kingdom, and the Bible says that David was a man after God's own heart. And so is it somebody like that? Is it somebody, is, is he the greatest because God wants us after his heart? And, and blah, blah, blah. Who, who is it? Well, Jesus settled the argument. Jesus said, hey, this is what you need to understand. The greatest of all time, the goat, is John. But here's what I need you to see today, and don't miss this. This is what blows my mind. Jesus didn't say that John was the greatest of all time after the angel made the announcement. Jesus didn't say that he was the greatest of all time after John had baptized him. Jesus didn't say that he was the goat after John said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John said, or Jesus said that John was the greatest after John's plans changed, and John said, is it you? Are you the one to come? Or should we expect somebody else? Jesus said, now that, that right there, that's an authentic man. That's somebody that I can trust. It's not somebody who goes, I'm going to praise God in this storm, and then goes home and cries himself to sleep. Because at the end of the day, again, authenticity is greater than artificiality. It really is. And so listen to me, church. If you've got a hard time trusting God, he can handle it. Let him know. Be honest. Be real. Everybody in this room asks questions. We all ask questions like, God, why? God, why? Why do I have this anxiety? God, why do I have this depression? God, why do I have this problem? God, why did he have to die? God, why did she have to die? God, why is this happening to me? L listen to me, church. When we have the courage to ask that question, just like Jesus said in the scripture, God says, now that's somebody I can trust. That's somebody right there who isn't faking it. That's somebody who doesn't just say the right things in front of people and go back and question and cry and whine and have victim mentality. That's somebody that says, hey, you know what? I got some problems. I got some issues. I got some concerns. I've got some doubts. God, help me with my unbelief. God, help me with my trust issues. God, help me with my doubt. God, I don't understand what's going on. God, show me why. For some people here today, that's your next step in your walk with Jesus. Just to admit, hey, I got a problem with this. Whatever, whatever this is, I got a problem. God, I got a problem with this. God, I don't understand this. God, I, 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 just, I just don't know. God, I, I just, God, 
let me just, God. He might not answer your question, but I'm telling you, your relationship with him will take a dramatic step forward because he values authenticity over artificiality. And so when plans change, when plans change, you need to remember God loves you. God is always with you, and he has greater plans for you. He really does. God loves you. God loves everything about you. God is always with you. Like he, he says in his word that he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. That means every step of the way, every single step, every step, every single one, there he is. And his plans, his plans really are greater. If you look back over the course of your life, you can see that. You can think about where you are right now, and you can think about where you were 10 years ago and what you thought about 10 years ago, and you understand that where God has you right now is greater than where you would have you right now. Let's stand and let's sing.